The Defence of Guinevere by William Morris, read for LibriVox.org by Peter Tucker. But knowing now that they would have her speak, she threw her wet hair backward from her brow, her hand close to her mouth touching her cheek, as though she had had there a shameful blow, and feeling it shameful to feel aught but shame all through her heart, yet felt her cheek burned so, she must a little touch it. Like one lame, she walked away from Gawain, with her head still lifted up, and on her cheek of flame the tears dried quick. She stopped at last, and said, O knights and lords, it seems but little skill to talk of well-known things past now and dead. God, what I ought to say, I have done ill, and pray you all forgiveness heartily. Because you must be right, such great lords, still, listen, suppose your time were come to die, and you were quite alone and very weak. Yet laid a dying, while very mightily the wind was ruffling up the narrow streak of river through your broad lands running well. Suppose a hush should come, then someone speak. One of these cloths is heaven, and one is hell. Now choose one cloth for ever, which they be I will not tell you. You must somehow tell of your own strength and mightiness. Here, see. Yea, yea, my lord, and you to ope your eyes at foot of your familiar bed to see a great God's angel standing with such dyes not known on earth, on his great wings and hands, held out two ways, light from the inner skies showing him well and making his commands seem to be God's commands, moreover, too, holding within his hands the cloths on wands. And one of these strange choosing cloths was blue, wavy and long, and one cut short and red. No man could tell the better of the two. After a shivering half-hour you said, God help, heaven's colour, the blue, and he said, Hell. Perhaps you then would roll upon your bed and cry to all good men that loved you well, Ah, Christ, if only I had known, known, known. Lancelot went away, then I could tell, like wisest man, how all things would be, moan, and roll and hurt myself, and long to die, and yet fear much to die for what was sown. Nevertheless, you, O oh Sir Gawain, lie, whatever may have happened through these years, God knows I speak truth, saying that you lie. Her voice was low at first, being full of tears, but as it cleared, it grew full loud and shrill, growing a windy shriek in all men's ears, a ringing in their startled brains, until she said that Gawain lied. Then her voice sunk, and her great eyes began again to fill, though still she stood right up and never shrunk, but spoke on bravely, glorious lady fair. Whatever tears her full lips may have drunk, she stood and seemed to think, and wrung her hair, spoke out at last with no more trace of shame, with passionate twisting of her body there. It chanced upon a day that Lancelot came to dwell at Arthur's court. At Christmas time this happened, when the heralds sung his name. Son of King Ban of Benwick seemed to chime along with all the bells that rang that day, o'er the white roofs with little change of rhyme. Christmas and white and winter passed away, and over me the April sunshine came, made very awful with black hail-clouds, yea, and in the summer I grew white with flame, and bowed my head down, autumn and the sick sure knowledge things would never be the same. However often spring might be most thick of blossoms and buds, smote on me, and I grew careless of most things, let the clock tick, tick to my unhappy pulse that beat right through my eager body, while I laughed out loud and let my lips curl up at false or true. It seemed cold and shallow without any cloud. Behold, my judges, then the cloths were brought. While I was dizzied thus, old thoughts would crowd, belonging to the time ere I was bought by Arthur's great name and his little love. Must I give up for ever then, I thought, that which I deemed would ever round me move, glorifying all things, 
For a little word, scarce ever meant at all, must I now prove stone-cold for ever. Pray you, does the Lord will that all folks should be quite happy and good? I love God now a little. If this cord were broken, once for all what striving could make me love anything in earth or heaven? So day by day it grew, as if one should slip slowly down some path worn smooth and even, down to a cool sea on a summer day. Yet still in slipping there was some small leaven of stretched hands catching small stones by the way, until one surely reached the sea at last, and felt strange new joy as the worn head lay back with the hair like seaweed, yea, all past sweat of the forehead, dryness of the lips, washed utterly out by the dear waves o'ercast, in the lone sea, far off from any ships. Do I not know now of a day in spring? No minute of that wild day ever slips from out my memory. I hear thrushes sing, and wheresoever I may be, straightway thoughts of it all come up with most fresh sting. I was half mad with beauty on that day, and went without my ladies all alone in a quiet garden walled round every way. I was right joyful of that wall of stone that shut the flowers and trees up with the sky, and trebled all the beauty to the bone, yea, right through to my heart, grown very shy with weary thoughts, it pierced and made me glad, exceedingly glad, and I knew verily a little thing just then had made me mad. I dared not think, as I was wont to do sometimes upon my beauty, if I had held out my long hand up against the blue, and looking on the tenderly darkened fingers, thought that by rights one ought to see quite through. There, see you, where the soft still light yet lingers round by the edges, what should I have done if this had joined with yellow spotted singers, and startling green drawn upward by the sun? But shouting, loosed out, see now, all my hair, and trancedly stood watching the west wind run with faintest half-heard breathing sound. Why, there I lose my head e'en now in doing this. But shortly listen, in that garden fair came Launcelot walking. This is true, the kiss wherewith we kissed in meeting that spring day, I scarce dare talk of the remembered bliss, when both our mouths went wandering in one way, and aching sorely met among the leaves, our hands being left behind strained far away. Never within a yard of my bright sleeves had Launcelot come before, and now so nigh. After that day, why is it Guinevere grieves? Nevertheless you, O Sir Gawain, lie whatever happened on through all those years. God knows I speak truth, saying that you lie. Being such a lady, could I weep these tears if this were true? A great queen such as I, having sinned this way, straight her conscience sears. And afterwards she liveth hatefully, slaying and poisoning, certes never weeps. Gawain be friends now, speak me lovingly. Do I not see how God's dear pity creeps all through your frame, and trembles in your mouth? Remember in what grave your mother sleeps, buried in some place far down in the south. Men are forgetting as I speak to you. By her head severed in that awful drouth of pity that drew Agravain's fell blow, I pray your pity. Let me not scream out for ever after, when the shrill winds blow through half your castle locks. Let me not shout for ever after in the winter night, when you ride out alone, in battle rout. Let not my rusting tears make your sword light. Ah, God of mercy, how he turns away! So ever must I dress me to the fight. So, let God's justice work. Gawain, I say, see me hew down your proofs. Yea, all men know, even as you said how Meliagrance one day, one bitter day, in La Fosse Garde, for so all good knights held it after, saw. Yea, sirs, by cursed unknightly outrage, though you, Gawain, held his word without a flaw, this Meliagrance saw blood upon my bed. Whose blood, then, pray you? Is there any law to make a queen say why some spots of red lie on her coverlet? Or will you say... 
Your hands are white, lady, as when you wed. Where did you bleed? And must I stammer out, Nay, I blush indeed, fair lord, Only to rend my sleeve up to my shoulder, Where there lay a knife-point last night. So must I defend the honour of the lady Guinevere. Not so, fair lords, even if the world should end this very day, And you were judges here instead of God. Did you see Meliagrance when Launcelot stood by him? What white fear curdled his blood, and how his teeth did dance, his side sink in, as my knight cried and said, Slayer of unarmed men, here is a chance. Setter of traps, I pray you guard your head, by God I am so glad to fight with you, stripper of ladies, that my hand feels lead for driving weight. Hurrah now, draw and do, for all my wounds are moving in my breast, and I am getting mad with waiting so. He struck his hands together o'er the beast, who fell down flat, and grovelled at his feet, and groaned at being slain so young. At least, my knight said, raise you, sir, who are so fleet at catching ladies, half-armed will I fight, my left side all uncovered. Then I weet, up sprang Sir Meliagrance with great delight upon his knave's face. Not until just then did I quite hate him, as I saw my knight along the lists looked my stake and pen with such a joyous smile, it made me sigh from agony beneath my waist-chain, when the fight began, and to me they drew nigh. Even Sir Launcelot kept him on the right, and traversed warily, and ever high and fast leapt caitiff's sword, until my knight suddenly threw up his sword to his left hand, caught it, and swung it. That was all the fight, except a spout of blood on the hot land for it was hottest summer, and I know I wondered how the fire, while I should stand, and burn against the heat, would quiver so yards above my head. Thus these matters went, which things were only warnings of the woe that fell on me. Yet Meliagrance was shent, for Meliagrance had fought against the Lord. Therefore, my lords, take heed, lest you be blent with all this wickedness. Say no rash word against me, being so beautiful. My eyes, wept all away to grey, may bring some sword to drown you in your blood. See my breast rise, like waves of purple sea, as here I stand. And how my arms are moved in wonderful wise. Yea, also at my full heart's strong command, see through my long throat how the words go up in ripples to my mouth. How in my hand the shadow lies like wine within a cup of marvellously coloured gold. Yea, now this little wind is rising, look you up, and wonder how the light is falling so within my moving tresses. Will you dare, when you have looked a little on my brow, to say this thing is vile? Or will you care for any plausible lies of cunning woof, when you can see my face with no lie there forever? Am I not a gracious proof? But in your chamber Launcelot was found. Is there a good knight then that would stand aloof when a queen says with gentle queenly sound, O true as steel, come now and talk with me. I love to see your step upon the ground unwavering. Also well I love to see that gracious smile light up your face and hear your wonderful words that all mean verily the thing they seem to mean. Good friend, so dear to me in everything, come here tonight, or else the hours will pass most dull and drear. If you come not, I fear this time I might get thinking over much of times gone by, when I was young, and green hope was in sight. For no man cares now to know why I sigh, and no man comes to sing me pleasant songs, nor any brings me the sweet flowers that lie so thick in the gardens. Therefore one so longs to see you, Launcelot, that we may be like children once again, free from all wrongs, just for one night. Did he not come to me? What thing could keep true Launcelot away if I said, Come? There was one less than three in my quiet room that night, and we were gay. Till sudden I rose up, weak, pale, and sick, because a bawling broke our dream up. Yea, I looked at Launcelot's face and could not speak, for he looked helpless too for a little while. Then I remember how I tried to shriek, 
and could not, but fell down. From tile to tile the stones they threw up rattled o'er my head and made me dizzier, till within a while my maids were all about me, and my head on Launcelot's breast was being soothed away from its white chattering, until Launcelot said, By God, I will not tell you more today, judge any way you will. What matters it? You know quite well the story of that fray, how Launcelot stilled their brawling, the mad fit that caught up Gawain, all, all, verily, by just that which would save me. These things flit. Nevertheless you, O Sir Gawain, lie, whatever may have happened these long years. God knows I speak truth, saying that you lie. All I have said is truth by Christ's dear tears. She would not speak another word, but stood turned sideways listening like a man who hears his brother's trumpet sounding through the wood of his foe's lances. She leaned eagerly and gave a slight spring sometimes, as she could at last hear something really. Joyfully, her cheek grew crimson, as the headlong speed of the rowan charger drew all men to see. The knight who came was Launcelot at good need.